Welcome to the Women Who Code podcast. You don't have to be a designer to consider uh, your users to create inclusive technology. You just really need to think of your users and, and really think of who will be using your, your software. Women Who Code Talks Tech is a segment that features experts in a specific field of technology sharing their knowledge on an in-depth and highly technical subject. These talks are designed to both introduce advanced subjects and provide insight into the work being done in these fields. First of all, I would like to explain you a little bit of what is the role of a UX designer in a tech project or what is UX design at all. I guess most of us are already in the tech field and many of you may be related to the UX design concept, but I will anyway explain very briefly what I do so you can understand all of my examples during my talk. So I lead uh, tech projects and especially those focused on UX design. So UX design should be the first phase of for any tech project. So before you start to code anything, you need to first design what the experience of using your, your software will be. Uh, so the main activities are uh, executing user research, also carrying out ideation workshops, you know, all those full of sticky notes, uh, also to design new experiences. And by this, I mean designing the contents as well as the visual interfaces, but also the functionality. Uh, so the goal here is to make a user-centered design. And once we have this design, it's ready to be developed. So uh, with this in mind, um, I want to just for a moment, imagine you are going to start a new project, which is about designing and building a website for selling mattresses. And it should be oriented to young adults. So that's it. I think we all use a mattress, right? Uh, maybe uh, you sleep on a futon, like when I lived in Japan, I used to sleep in a futon, or maybe a hammock or something else, but we all have something similar to a mattress. So just think for a few seconds, what will be your next activities? So maybe if you are new to all this design and phase and everything, you will think something like this, and you will think uh, about your own experiences buying a mattress. So in my, in my case, I will tell you about my experience buying my first mat mattress. So it was when I was 18 and I moved from my hometown to Monterey to study college. So it was a very simple experience. I went to the store, I tried a couple of them and I checked the size because my room, you know, my student room was very small. So I checked if it, it will fit in my room. And I also asked if they had home delivery. I had no car, I had no way of taking a big mattress with me. So that was important for me. I didn't check price. I mean, I just checked it was not the most expensive. And uh, I didn't know about mattresses brands. So I didn't care about that. So I, I just chose one and that was, that was my experience. You can think of your own experiences. And uh, with this in mind, you know, I could start designing a very nice website uh, considering it was for young people, maybe students like myself at that time, uh, who don't really care about price, uh, don't, don't really care about the brand, uh, and who also won't consider price, but uh, they will buy something if 
you have the size that they are looking for and if you have home delivery. So if, uh, you know, I could start designing with this or I could do something else. And that was actually what I did. I did something else because this was in fact a real project that I had a couple of years ago. So I ran this research study um, in order to know what was other people's experiences. So what I found out, and this was only for Mexico, so I found out that Mexicans at 18 years old, we usually still live with our parents. So it's not like in the US that you move away from your parents at this age, but we still live with our parents as the most common thing. And uh, people will only change mattress if it is old or if they need to move, like in my case. And usually um, the moms are the ones who make the decision. So the mom will think, oh, I have this mattress uh, that has been with me for 20 years, so I will buy the same brand. So the brand is important for them, for the moms. And only when they get married, they can decide by their own. And it's more of a couple's decision. And they usually, almost all of the, um, all of the Mexicans, we prefer to go to the store and try the mattresses there. So maybe buying online is not even an option. And most of the people, and this is very important, they consider the price as an important factor. So the image you see here, it's really common to see this, to see promotions and discounts on mattresses because people consider price and if it's cheaper, they will buy it. Okay, so if we compare both of the results, uh, my experience and other people's experiences, you can see they look very different. So what I had in mind or what actually happened to me is not what other Mexicans experience. So I call the first scenario designing for yourself and I call the second scenario designing for users. So what are the differences? Uh, when you design for yourself, you only consider your own experiences, your assumptions and your beliefs. And we have this very important rule of UX design. I want you to memorize it, which is you are not the user. Maybe you have lived a similar experience, like in my case, but if you are the designer or the developer, that makes you not the user. So uh, you always need to go with the users and ask them about their experiences and not think that you are the user. And in the second case, when you design for users, uh, you really consider all possible users, all possible persons. You eliminate biases or any pre-assumptions that you may have. And you can have better user experiences. You can have inclusive designs. And most important, you can design with empathy. You, you can be empathetic to other people. Uh, I have given many talks about UX design and people always ask me, what do I need to start designing user experience? And I always tell them, you need empathy. I mean, the techniques and other important things, you can grab a book and read them, and that's okay. But if you don't have empathy, you won't be a, a good UX designer. So this is why uh, I want to share with you five factors that in my experience are important when you are designing for all of these different users. So, uh, you can really build an inclusive design. So they are a culture, disability, education level, preference, and use context. So first, the culture. I think we can all relate to this one. This is why it is the first one, because we have many cultures present here. So it is uh, something that, that we can relate, I think. 
So in this case, I'm going to talk about two different kinds of culture. One is the external one that can be related to a country, a religion, or a community. But we also have the internal culture. So uh, this is more what happens inside an organization. It's, it's also called organizational culture. So about uh, the external culture, we should ask ourselves, how do people behave in different countries or communities? Uh, you know, there are many international companies with presence in different countries. Do you think they work in the same way in all of the countries? So there's this example. Uh, in the USA, 80% of the people have a debit card, but in Mexico, it's only 47%. So what Uber and Amazon did uh, they started accepting cash as a payment method. Uh, I know this exists also in, in other countries, but how do you think they, they decided to, to do this, to, to offer this option for these uh, countries? They uh, were, of course, based on people's behaviors and the differences uh, between different cultures. So also um, about the external culture, uh, if you know, 7-Eleven is an American company of convenience stores, it has presence in more than 17 countries. So I recently led the project of redesigning the mobile app for 7-Eleven Mexico, which is the one that you see in the middle. Uh, this is the picture of the old design. I cannot show you the new one yet, uh, but we had to make a whole research. We started by looking at uh, other countries uh, where 7-Eleven had presence. So we could notice that uh, 7-Eleven adapted to the different countries, to the different kind of customers. For the American customers, they, they also have this application, but they offer uh, coupons for more sugary drinks, like the ones you see on the first image. Uh, for Mexico, it is more oriented to snacks or quick meals, uh, like uh, we have nachos, pizza, donuts, coffee, and more and, and they also have these special options for paying your bills so you can go to the store and pay your bills in a quicker way and for japan i couldn't find a mobile application but i'm sure uh, it will be oriented maybe to buying onigiris bentos or something that people in japan like to buy at 7-eleven so uh, as you can see it's the same international brand that i'm sure that many of you know but it is adapted to the different cultures so next, about the internal culture, we need to ask ourselves, are employees within our, an organization willing to change? I participated in a project about implementing innovation in organizational culture uh, of a retail company. And we also ran a couple studies. We wanted to measure the resistance to change that employees may have uh, in order to create a strategy. And we found out that at operative levels, uh, as you can see more, then half of the people were not aware that they needed to change. And also 70, 67 of them were not willing to change. So they, they thought they were okay with the things as they are now. They didn't want to implement innovation at all. So we could think that this was uh, different for the executive employees, but actually it was, it was very similar. 47 of the executive employees uh, were also not aware of the need of change and uh, more than a half were not willing to change. They didn't want to change at all. So I recommend you to, before making any big change with technology or innovation, first measure uh, the people's resistance 
because you can create better strategies and you can adapt to the internal culture that they may have. So the next, um, the next factor is disability. I don't know if you have seen this number, but there are 1.3 billion people in the world that have any kind of disabilities. This is almost the population of China, and it is actually the largest minority in the world. So you need to consider all the possibilities when you are designing technology. And uh, let's think of these three people. So there's Mary, she's 63 years old. She has limited vision due to diabetes and she needs to be able to check her bank account balance and also her movements whenever she goes to her uh, digital bank. So if we are designing this digital banking, we need to be sure that the font size is big enough so Mary can read all this important information. There is also Abhinav. He is 25 years old. He has a muscle weakness and he needs a way to fill out a form using only his voice and keyboard. Okay, and there's also Camila. She is 37 years old. She immigrated to the US two months ago. She's still learning English. And uh, when she is reading local news, she needs to read uh, two times, three times in order to understand really what it is saying. And also when watching videos, she needs the captions so she can read what and, and really get to know what is happening. Okay, so think about these users and all the possibilities that, that you may have in, in your users. And uh, in fact, uh, the newest Apple OS, which is Catalina, has already come to a solution to Abinav's problem, uh, which is a way of navigating your Mac or any Apple device using only voice. This is very interesting and I invite you to read their guidelines and they have really nice examples of how you, you can solve these user problems. So the third factor is education level. And I think many of us are privileged because we have a university degree or maybe a technical one. But if we look at this graph there that I am showing you, we can see that the percentage of people with tertiary education level is still very different from one country to another. And in Latin American countries like Mexico or Brazil, it is still very low. So we should never take for granted that our users will have the same education as we do. And um, we need, um, for this, we have to think about how we can talk to users in their own language so they can understand better. So as I told you, I have worked with projects focused on convenience stores. And I am showing you these examples because you may be related to convenience stores. You, you may know these brands and uh, like the 7-Eleven mobile application. And I also have worked with the largest Mexican convenience store company, which is OXO. And both of them have similar employees. Okay, so if we look at their employees, they completed a junior high school. Maybe many of them have also completed high school. And there are also many old people. Uh, there are many students working there. And they have the usual cashier responsibilities, but they also have all these payment, payments and bank transactions responsibilities. I don't know in other places, but in Mexico, you can, you can do all these payments. Instead of going to a bank, you can make all these payments and transferences uh, in a convenience store. So it's much more convenient. As I told you, uh, most of Mexicans don't have a debit card. 
So it's more convenient to, to go to your neighborhood's convenience store and pay there. But many clerks see this as a lot more effort, and they even say that convenience stores are like the new banks. So it is difficult for them. So in the projects that I have worked with them, we always try to do this. We try to change very complicated words like beneficiary, sender, bank correspondent, and these words that I didn't even know how to see them in English. They are complicated for me too. Uh, to more simple words or phrases, maybe something like who is sending the money, who will receive the money, uh, or words like deposit payment, something that we can all understand. So the language is very important. Uh, not all the users, and it's not only the education level that they have, but also they, they don't have the specialized knowledge that maybe uh, a bank employee will have. So you have to come with better ways of communicating, of using simpler words that they will all understand. Okay, so going to the next uh, point is preference. And now I know this is a very subjective term. Uh, I don't mean that you have to consider what colors the users prefer. Uh, what I want to focus in is uh, in the smartphone use against computers or laptops. Uh, you know, in Mexico, we used to have these internet cafes everywhere. I'm, I'm sure in other countries you had them as well. And, uh, you know, if you went there, you could see kids uh, playing video games, doing homework, maybe hanging out with friends. But now they disappeared. They disappeared, and now you can see the kids with their, their smartphones, uh, maybe looking for a place with a free internet connection and playing games there, doing their homeworks. So in this graph, you can see exactly that. Uh, the penetration of the smartphones has increased uh, in only, this is for only two years. Uh, and we also can see that we still have differences among different countries. So take this into con consideration. Uh, when you create any digital product, uh, you need to ask, what are the user's lifestyles and preferences? Do they prefer uh, experience more on the go? Like when they are looking for bus or subway timetables while they are waiting at the station maybe, or playing games while they go in the subway, or maybe buying tickets in advance when they are going to the movies, or maybe uh, messaging, messaging when, when they are walking on the street, or maybe they prefer an experience uh, more like for uh, at home or office such as watching videos, reading news, checking email, or any work-related activity. And now you can do almost all of them either on a smartphone or a computer. But the thing here is, what do they prefer according to their lifestyles? So consider this when designing any technology as well. And the final point is uh, uh, the context of use. In the context of use, uh, I know there are also many considerations regarding the context, but now, now I want to talk about the internet connection. If you are creating any digital product, I'm sure your users will need internet at least when they are downloading it. So at any point that they will need internet, please look at this map. I think it has many contrasting internet speeds. Uh, so first of all, you need to uh, consider your, your users' countries' internet speed. This is the average, of course, 
And inside the same country, there are also huge differences. So as you can see, it is very contrasting uh, among the different countries. And for this, um, I want to give this example. I recently worked uh, for a, a project for a Mexican retirement savings company. So it was about redesigning their system uh, that they used to serve their customers at their branches. Uh, and their branches are all over Mexico. So we found out that the branches in the big cities are always so crowded. The people are more used to a hurried lifestyle. So they don't, they don't like waiting in lines. They want a quick attention. They don't want to be waiting too long. Uh, so the transaction times are very important for them. And on the other hand, when you go to the small towns, uh, they, they are more used to a very slow pace. And the branches there are, um, you know, they, they only have one clerk, they have one computer, they have one printer, so everyone have to wait there. And the internet speed is much slower. So the context in both of them are very different. It's the same company, but if you look at two different cities, the context changes completely. So another example, uh, again, with convenience store, I also participated uh, in the redesign of the point of sale experience for 7-Eleven Mexico. So we run a lot of research studies and here we focus more on the, on the field research. We went to different stores in the city. So we went to stores in residential areas. We went to stores in offices areas and also in university or school areas. So you can imagine the differences. But the most crowded and busy was the one near the university, the local university, subway station. It was uh, lunchtime when we went there, and it was a permanent line of more than eight, eight people uh, waiting, most of them students. They wanted, you know, to, to buy a quick lunch or snack before or after their classes. And the cashier there, there was only one cashier, and she was very busy serving the customers. She didn't waste any time reading anything on the screen. She just scanned the products, read the total, and collected the money. She took, I think, 10 seconds in each one of the transactions. So we could notice that in, in this kind of busy context, the users don't have to read all the long, don't, don't have time to read all the long text, texts that we usually, that, that designers or programmers, we usually like to put long texts there. So they don't have the time to read them. Also, they don't have the time, the time to see all the cool animations that we also like to design because the context is so busy that all they need is an agile solution so they can be able to finish the transaction in less than 20 seconds. And um, this is an example, the image that you see here of the design solutions that we offered. So in this example, you can see uh, how you can uh, buy donuts so before, if you wanted a, book, a box of six donuts, you needed to enter the menu six times to choose each one of them. So now uh, for this solution, they just entered this option once and they can choose uh, the six different donuts that you are buying. So it is very simple, but it, it takes less time for them. Uh, and also customers don't have to be waiting in these long lines. Okay, so these were the five factors that I um, that I mentioned, and please consider them when you are designing. They were culture, disability, education level, preference, and use context. 
And again, you don't have to be a designer to consider uh, your users to create inclusive technology. You just really need to think of the users and, and really think of who will be using your, your software. Okay, so just uh, to finish. So I just want to share a few thoughts before finishing. So the first one, uh, I, I will ask you to be aware and empathetic of what's happening in other places. With technology, we can reach very far places, so we need to be aware of this. So there was this uh, Black Lives Matter movement in the U.S. and other countries. I wasn't very aware of this. Uh, thanks to Women Who Code, I, I also learned more about it. And also the, all the feminist protests that happened in Mexico and Latin America recently uh, because all the femicides that were happening. And uh, also the LGBT rights movement, all the pride parades that happened in all parts of the world. We have our own here in Monterey. So we, you need to be aware and really empathetic of what's happening. Also the next one, uh, make sure when you are designing any kind of technology, make sure that everyone is represented and always show respects for other cultures and lifestyles. So this is an example that uh, it was very controversial a few months ago here in Mexico. It comes from a federal institute. It is a, the National Institute for Workers Housing. So you can get a mortgage or a housing credit if you are a Mexican worker. So recently they used this image of a gay couple inviting people to combine their credits with, with their partners so they can get more benefits. So it was very well received, very surprising. We didn't expect this. And it, it's really nice to see that everyone is being represented, that also, uh, you know, before they will put this uh, usual family of the, the mom and the dad and the kids, and now they are using uh, different kinds of families and couples to show this, so everyone is being represented now. And finally, uh, especially at these times, uh, I think technology is becoming a crucial part of our lives. It uh, helps us feel close to one another, like in this event. Uh, and we need to create human-centered and inclusive technology for everyone. As I told you, you don't have to be a designer to be thinking about your users, to be thinking of creating inclusive technology. And you can do this if you create technology at any level and any kind. So this was all. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to the Women Who Code podcast. To find out more about our mission and the work we do across the tech industry, visit our website, womenwhocode.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Women Who Code. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel with hundreds of hours of free educational videos. Just go to youtube.com backslash women who code. Thanks again for listening. And remember to subscribe, rate, and comment.